the hollow body. And we all feel hollow sometimes. Hey everybody, some leaders are full of substance, others are hollow bunnies. Welcome to the Hollow Bunny Leadership Podcast, where my partner and colleague, Kristen Zeman, and I, we are going to explore leadership, and we're going to invite guests, and our guest today is an interesting and compelling figure. Our guest today is Carmen Navarro Jercone. Carmen has been with the Cook County Sheriff's Office since 1994, where she began her career, and she was promoted through the ranks, becoming the first assistant executive director for court services. She led a vast department of approximately uh, 1,100 sworn officers and 200 civilian employees. And she, in 2020, accepted the position to serve as the executive clerk for court operations and administration for the clerk of the Circuit Court of Cook County. We caught up with her today because many know her as the candidate for Cook County Sheriff. She jumped in this race in January, and she has been on a roller coaster of a ride. She actually got challenged by her opponent, uh, the sitting sheriff, and she was kicked off the ballot. She fought that uh, at the Training and Standards Board, and she was then reinstated on the ballot. Then that was challenged and it went to the appellate court where she was kicked off the ballot. And then the Supreme Court, the Illinois Supreme Court, refused to hear her case. And that's where it lands. And as you can imagine, this is why I wanted to talk to her today to hear her story and her story in her journey of how she got here. So I give you Carmen Navarro Jercone. Carmen Navarro Jacone, welcome to the Hollow Bunny podcast. You, you are our very first guest. I mean, we already have millions of listeners, but you are our actual very first guest. How do you feel about that? That is, I'm honored. I'm honored. So maybe now with me today, you'll have a million and one. I, I think we will. I think we will. You have a major following and I'm going to jump right in. You and I have known each other because of the FBI National Academy, but I want to back up there. Uh, you have been a candidate for Cook County Sheriff. Uh, that is not why I wanted to have you on. I wanted to have you on because you are a badass woman, and that's what this podcast is about. Our Hollow Bunny podcast is a leadership podcast, and it's about people uh, who are not hollow bunnies, who fill are filled with substance. And myself and Sylvia Moyer uh, wanted to talk to you because I... I love and adore you, and your story is about resilience. Um, but you've been with Cook County Sheriff since you started in 1994. But I just want to give—I want you to give a little bit of background uh, to our listeners about who you are and and where you are today. Um, well, I'll, I'll do it quickly. I've been practicing for the last few months because they only give you two minutes to introduce yourself when you're going around meeting people, but. Yeah, I started the Cook County Sheriff's Office in 1994. I was a single mother on public aid. I had two young sons. Um, I was looking for a job and I found a career. Uh, it was very exciting. I, I didn't even know who the sheriff was at the time I stood in line for the application. Like, what do they do? Um, to the point where my first assignment was at the Daily Center 
And I actually carded the sheriff when he came through the door because I didn't know who he was. And my sergeant came running across the lobby saying, what are you doing? I said, you told me to stand here and check IDs. It's like, that was the sheriff. I'm like, how am I supposed to know? His picture's <laughs> hanging right there. Eh. Okay, observation wasn't a strong, <laughs> wasn't my strongest suit when I started at the age of 21. Um, but fast forward, I uh, worked really hard. I, I found that I enjoyed talking to people and meeting people and solving problems. And I found a, a new way to channel my passive aggressiveness where I can... <laughs> I can smile and still get people to do what I wanted to do with the least amount of energy possible. And I really enjoyed it. Um, so I was successful. I was able to be promoted to Sergeant and Lieutenant, Assistant Chief, Deputy Director. Uh, I got to attend the FBI National Academy in 2013, which was phenomenal. And since I had had no formal college education, I was a teenage mom, so I didn't get a chance to go to college. And I was working so that my children could go to college. Uh, I was a bit intimidated when I went to the FBI Academy, when they started talking about the APA format and having to write papers. And I I was calling my kids back at home. I'm like, what is this? They're like, oh, you have to set this up. I'm like, when I come home in two weeks, you've got to set up my laptop because I don't know what any of this is. Um, and it turned out that I was a lot smarter than I thought I was. I didn't oh. give myself enough credit. Uh, it was really empowering to know that even at um, 40-something that uh, you can learn something and excel as long as you weren't afraid to ask questions and you didn't let your ego get in the way. I love that. Still, are you geeking out at the APA format comment right now? I'm not only geeking out, I'm shaking my head because I don't understand how we got to present day and the whole election fiasco. I mean, I'm so intrigued. I have a million questions. Oh, there is plenty where that came from. So, uh, all right. So, Carmen, my question for you is, what made you decide to run for sheriff? Um, I left the sheriff's office on November 30th of uh, 2020. I took a leave of absence. I was at the point where I got tired of being invited to the table, but told over and over that I couldn't speak while I was there. It didn't help that my two mentors in the sheriff's office had just left. So Kelly Jackson and Dana Wright, um, who were my biggest supporters, um, had left for kind of the same reasons. And I kind of felt like I had to stay and fight a little longer. And I really tried to do that. So I left to go work for the clerk of the circuit court. She had just been elected. Her name is Iris Martinez. And she was the first person that I saw, the first politician, public servant that I saw that when she interviewed me for the job, I had to admit to her, um, you know, while you were running, I took my grandchildren to a fundraiser for your opponent. <laughs> and she said, listen, this isn't about politics right now. I'm the new clerk. I need to run this office. And I'm really impressed by your resume. And I want to know what you can do for me here. That was so refreshing to be allowed to do a job to be hired to do a job and then be allowed to do it. And then continuing to watch her work when there were people coming in, new positions open, she'd bring me their resume. And she'd say, Carmen, I'm thinking of bringing this person on. But before I do that, look at their resume and you interview them and you tell me if they're right for the job. I was like. Empowerment. 
wait a minute. You mean I have a choice in all this? You're the gatekeeper. Right. Mm -hmm. I can say no. Mm -hmm. It was like the ethics and morals that she brought gave me a whole different view of what being a politician was. It was about public service. And seeing that, I thought, I can do that for the sheriff's office. So I waited a few months considering that she had just given me the opportunity to come run operations for her. So Carmen, I have a question about this. I'm not in the atmosphere of Chicago and Cook County. And my hunch is our listeners around the world, uh, you know, Oprah, Richard Branson, all the people that travel the globe and are listening right now, they'll want to know more about this election. How would you be able to describe for us in this kind of encapsulated kind of time, how would you be able to describe for us what the heck is going on with this election? Help, Help me understand as an outsider from Chicago outside a person outside of Chicago. Well, I'm going to try to explain it that way. And also a way to keep um, Ted from hitting the siren. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do both. So I'm going to He's walk looking this. for an opportunity, Carmen. Do not I know don't give it to him. Don't give I'm it, not to, him, give it to him. I'm going to, I'm going to walk this line. Okay. So last year, well, obviously with everything going on across the country, uh, there was this push for police reform and in Illinois, Uh, they came up with the Safety Act, which was supposed to improve police training and communication and rebuild kind of the relationship between law enforcement and our black and brown communities to kind of build the trust back and, and give them some trust back in law enforcement. In the midst of all that, they really wanted this bill passed. So behind closed doors at about three in the morning, Um, the legislators and the Illinois Sheriff's Association had a meeting. What is it going to take to get this bill passed? We need it passed. We can revisit changes, but what do you need? And the Illinois Sheriff's Association said, we need this. We we want this in there, this language. And the language was an additional qualification to be able to run for sheriff in Illinois. So the qualification said that to be eligible to run for sheriff in Illinois, you had to have a certificate attesting to a basic law enforcement certification as prescribed by the Illinois Training Standards and Training Board or a substantially similar training from another state or the federal government. So fast forward, silly me, when I decide to run and everyone's talking about this law, because it didn't go into effect until January of this year. And that's when everyone found out that there was an additional sentence, which read, it doesn't apply to a sitting sheriff. I'm going to underscore something right here. I am from the Chicago area, and still I know how confused you are, and I just want you to know, so am I. And my, my question to you, Carmen, is... What in pray tell does this have to do with police reform? This little phrase that was stuck in in uh, under the cloak of darkness. Um, so I still contend and I, I, I say it loud and clear. And every time I go, I, I truly believe this was. Uh, they saw it coming. Tom Dart specifically, who's currently the sheriff here in Cook County, 
He's been the sheriff for 16 years. Before that, he was the chief of staff, but he's been in politics since he was a teenager. His father was a, was a lobbyist. Before this, he was a state's attorney and a state legislator. So a lot of these guys um, downstate and gals he worked with, um, so he knew them personally. Uh, as I said earlier, I left the sheriff's office in December of 2020. Kelly Jackson and Dana Wright left before me. Um, this was introduced in February of 2021, just a few months after. And um, with the rumors that we had all left because one of us was planning on running for, for sheriff. And the one thing that Tom Dart feared was a woman running against him because he felt as though he could not and would not be able to be a woman. So there's a lot of stuff here, right? And I understand, and is this accurate, that you entered the race, you were removed from the ballot, you appealed, you were back on the ballot, you were removed from the ballot, you're back on the ballot. What is the what is the fight in you? Is that accurate, first of all? And then, I mean, it's been said that you don't defeat somebody until they quit. So can you, was I right in that on and off and on and off? And then can you speak to the defeat and the quit? And what the heck do you do with all this? Yeah, so um, I was challenged first. Uh, Tom Dart challenged my signatures. Uh, I beat that one. Then he challenged the qualifications. The electoral board uh, did vote to take me off the ballot. I took it to circuit court. Who better than the circuit court of Cook County and that judiciary to understand how the Cook County Sheriff's Office works and what sure. we actually do? That judge um, pretty much blasted the electoral board and put me back on the ballot. Tom Dart appealed took it to the appellate court. We added an extra since they took it to the appellate court. I added the issue of uh, whether this extra qualification was even constitutionally correct because the office of sheriff is, the qualifications are laid out by the Illinois constitution. You can't just change a qualification. It's gotta be changed in the constitution. So we appealed it. The appellate court decided not to have a hearing. They made a decision to remove me from the ballot without having a hearing. So I appealed to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court decided in one sentence, they will not hear the case, period. No explanation, no, they're not gonna hear the case. What they all failed to understand is that the Illinois Training and Standards Board is the only body in Illinois who can give me the certificate. And back in February, via email, which was presented in all the courts, they told me they had not developed a process for reviewing files for individuals who want to run for sheriff. They will not develop a process and that it would be up to the electoral board. So now basically mm. the courts decided that the training board who decided at the beginning they would not review my records, now it would be up to them. And Tom Dart sits on that board, by the way, if I didn't mention that at the beginning. 
What's the, been the time frame since you originally started this process collecting signatures to present day? I started collecting signatures in January. Um, I filed my statement of candidacy in March, March 13th, and the Supreme Court came back with their decision um, Friday, Thursday or Friday. So I want to I want to underscore something here because this is exactly what this conversation is about is this roller coaster that you have been on and I have been privy to it because you and I have spoke but I, I want to point something out here for uh, you know those who are listening this is the epitome of resilience because when you were challenged from the beginning you took that head on and said, he's going to challenge my signatures and then challenging for you to be on the ballot as well. And this was, as I was watching from the outside in, to me, it was remarkable because your attitude, and I love your followers and those, your supporters, you know, you would get on and have a, a FaceTime live and p- keep people up to date. But what never seemed to wane in you was this perseverance of moving forward. Where does that come from? Is it something that you had to consciously think about? Did you have moments where you just wanted to quit? And what kept you from doing that? I've never wanted to quit. Um, I don't know where it came from. I can tell you that um, this, this journey I started no money, no experience, and no fear. There is no fear. I have nothing to, I have nothing to lose. I'm doing it for the right reasons. I have nothing to hide. I decided to run for office because I truly believed it was time for change. As a mother and as a grandmother, no one was looking out for my children. No one is watching out for my family. So this what the Supreme Court did, what Tom Dart did, what the Democratic machine did, whoever wants to take credit. um, They don't understand that what they were seeing wasn't a fire in me. That's me. It's always been me. Um, I'm a very passionate person when I decide to do something, especially when it's about people that I love. And anyone that touches my life becomes family. So what they did was not douse the fire. They lit the damn flame. If they thought that was the end of it, like that was, that was nothing. You can't expect me. No. Cause I said, so if my parents were still alive, they tell you, Oh my God, these people are effing crazy. Did they just tell you? Cause I told you so, because I, it didn't work with my parents said, cause I said, so like it, it's, um, it's still not over for me. And it's not that I'm bitter and it's not that they didn't beat me. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, they cheated. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I know what they did and I'm going to make sure that um, I hold everyone accountable. Uh, Sylvia, to your question earlier, there, it was the, it's the governor, it's the legislators, it's Tom Dart, it's the leaders of the Black Caucus, because I've spoken to them as well. And they're like, oh, you'll be fine. Uh, the spirit of the law wasn't meant to keep someone like you with experience off the ballot. It mm-hmm. was, oh, really? Well, now it did. So are you going to step up? Because if not, I'm holding you accountable. 
Um, it, it is the attorney general. It's the Illinois Training and Standards Board. There's there's six of them together. So you all got in this fight to keep Carmen Navarro Dracone's name off the ballot. You better make sure that each and every one of your houses, when it comes to this process, is clean. Because the only process I have to worry about is Carmen Navarro Dracone's. And Carmen has been such a leader in our profession and a colleague. And that's why it was a little it was, it was, I was dumbfounded by this concept that she was missing this certification when, you know, I've stood shoulder to shoulder with her, albeit, you know, in two different organizations. Uh, but as far as leadership and her skills, I, first of all, I was sad to see her leave and you were very cryptic about what was next because I asked you what what's next. And, and I'm looking back on that conversation that you and I had. And so just, you know, the idea that you wanted to con- continue that leadership for, you know, the County of Cook uh, was amazing to me. And so this leadership that you have inside you, you know, do you think that it has, do you think it comes naturally to you? And it, it almost sounds like it does, like you're just a, a fighter and a fighter for, for what's just, is that pretty accurate to say that this just lives in you? Or is it something that you developed? I think everything that happens in our lives experiences kind of mold us. And I'm, I'm going to say it wasn't always in me. I grew up in the West Humble Park neighborhood of Chicago and mostly Puerto Rican, same music, same food. There were really no differences, right? With the kids I went to school with, we were all kind of the same. And then my brother was murdered um, because of gang violence. And so I had to leave this community where everyone, for the most part, I was the majority. We listened to the same music, we dressed the same, no one made fun of my curly hair. Like it was, you know, um, I never had to, I never noticed that there weren't a lot of differences. And I had to leave that um, when I was 13 years old and going through puberty (laughs) to move to Skokie, Illinois. Now, for those of you who aren't from the Chicago area, and this was in 1984, Skokie and Humble Park couldn't be any more different. Skokie was predominantly Jewish. Um, no Latinos when I moved to Skokie in 1984. Um, and for example, the, 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 they, it, it was separate um, grammar schools and, and middle school. Like for Christ's sake, I went to school at CPS. It was kindergarten through eighth grade. We didn't, we didn't have a field to play soccer on. We had crates for the basketball hoops. Like, you know, it was, they didn't have the swings hanging. We, we used the swing set as monkey bars because we had no swings, but we didn't realize we were missing anything. Now I go to Skokie and we have a track. We had four different things in gym class, like gymnastics. And I learned how to do ribbons and, you know, it was craziness. <laughs> you I'm admit like, that? Yeah. Yes, I admit it. I actually yeah. enjoyed Maybe it. we could edit that out. Not very <laughs> county sheriff like Carmen. Not judgy. No, I'm just, like, I was good. Yeah. I was okay. good. I don't doubt and, and, it. And, and I learned to listen to Iron Maiden instead of uh, oh, Carmen. WBMX. So I. I <laughs> so there were a lot of differences. So going to Skokie, 
Um, my first summer there, uh, people were mean. Kids were mean. Yeah. Uh, my, my brother and I tried to go to the park down the street to play, and it got to the point where we couldn't go by ourselves because uh, we would get knocked off the bike. Kids were spit on us, and their parents sometimes weren't too far away uh, when it would happen, but no one stopped it. Um, so I stopped going to the park. I kept going into the city with my mother on the bus because my mom hated it there too. My mother mm. didn't speak English. She hated being in Skokie. So, so I'm just I'm just clarifying the people in Skokie aren't going to vote for you, right? No, they are. They <laughs> oh, love me. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Listen, I was called by the end of seventh grade. I had attended enough bar mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs that my nickname was Wana Epstein. That's what okay. they called me. Okay. They called me Wana so, Epstein. So all of that experience really kind of framed who you are and really filled you with this perspective and grit, right, Carmen? And, you know, it's so interesting because what did Eleanor Roosevelt say? You never know the strength of a woman. She's like a teabag. You never know her strength until she's in hot water. Do you feel like this was your hot water moment, this challenge? And and if yes, why? And if no, like, what do you learn from that? And this whole opponent thing, uh, a candidate that wants to just be the only person on the ballot and use whatever means to remove anyone from the ballot, if that was what occurred here, what kind of do you get from that? That's kind of a, uh, I, I don't want to simplify it, but for me, okay. it's kind of, uh, I need a reason. Like, it's not just the millennials that need to know why. Like, <laughs> I'm 50 years old. I need to know why. It, okay. it, it doesn't, especially when I have uh, people around me who constantly say, oh, that doesn't seem right. Well, they shouldn't be able to do that. Well, I agree. So why am I the only one speaking up? It's as simple as what you said earlier. You can't beat me unless I quit. And I'm not quitting. Right now, I'm still focusing on, I can't let this go. I'm, I'm not on the ballot. There are two people on the ballot. It's Tom Dart and a sergeant from the Chicago Police Department. Okay. I cannot tell you how many phone calls, how many emails, how many text messages I've gotten asking why I'm not supporting or, or throwing my endorsement. If I didn't want Tom Dart as sheriff, why aren't you then endorsing the other person? Mm -hmm. The reason I stayed in the fight was bigger than just me being on the ballot. The reason I'm fighting is because 90% of the men and women who currently work for the Cook County Sheriff's Office have the same certification and the same qualifications I do. And if I don't fight, that means none of them will ever be able to run for sheriff in Illinois. And that is not okay with me. People don't understand that, especially with women, we fight a lot harder when it's for other people. That's why we're good at our job, because it's always about what is for the greater good. It's not always mm -hmm. about us. It's, it's about our family. It's about our community. It's about our, right? It's always about something else. It's no different with this election. So when people ask me, well, why can't you just support the other guy? If you don't think Tom Dart should be sheriff again, then get behind the other guy and get him elected. Getting yes. the other guy elected means still 90% yeah. of the sheriff's office. What does that mean? My, my career doesn't matter. Their career doesn't matter. 
We have officers who've died from COVID, from suicide, because they've given their entire lives to this office and they don't matter. That's not okay with me. I don't want this to be an issue for anyone, especially someone who's given so much. The whole point of an election is to give voters a choice. Unless I'm confused, unless I'm missing something here, <laughs> yeah, unless you, unless you, you've gotten that wrong yeah. exactly. So, Carmen, I, I just want to say, in my experience, um, when people are afraid of an outcome, they attack the process, and that's what it sounds like to me. And I think that we should all be open to having a worthy rival. And I think that you most certainly are that worthy rival. And perhaps, you know, that's what instills fear in an opponent. And I just want you to know how much I respect you and how I think this also is a lesson for not just women, but for people everywhere, that there is no giving up in the face of adversity. And so thank you so much for telling us your story. Well, thank you for allowing me to tell you my story. You know, Carmen, uh, Victor Frankel was known to have said that suffering ceases to be suffering when it has meaning. And in this suffering, you're transitioning it to meaning. And maybe that's your leadership imperative. That's your filling your, your bunny is, is really to advance this because what can be achieved is eliminating this obstacle for others. And that might be the meaning. Who knows? It's really, really interesting. And it's, a, it's an empowering position for you to shift this from kind of this anger and suffering into a very meaningful path that you're going to walk as a leader. One thing I, I just want to leave everyone with to remember, my mom always said to, uh, said to us, everything you go through in life isn't always meant for you. Hmm. Somebody oh, had to see you go through it. Somebody had to see you experience it so that they know the next time they face something that they can be as brave and as strong and that they can face it as well. Well, here is what I know. You are not a hollow bunny. In fact, you are filled with all kinds of substance. So before we let you go, um, what is your bunny filled with? I mean, do you choose caramel? Do you choose, you know, like what? what's the filling in a bunny? I don't know. But you have to tell us what your bunny is filled with. <laughs> so I, I try not to get uh, emotional. Um, it's very difficult. But it really is um, filled with the all the favorite meals my mom made when I was growing mm. up. Mm. Um, you know, the, you know, you 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 could bite off the ear, and there's your arroz con gandules that my mom would make for special celebrations. You know, you you can bite off the the bunny tail, which I know. Kristen is your favorite part. You start at the butt. Bite the butt. I know that. Bite the butt. Um, and, you know, you can have a, a little, you know, arroz con pollo. Um, but my mom always made us feel better with food. Mm. And so my bunny is filled with all those things that bring the nostalgia back that let me know that um, I'm always in a safe place and that my mom's always with me and that her words are always going to be with me and that her words and, and her food and her recipes will continue to nourish me um, and my soul my entire life. 
So my bunny is filled with all of my favorite meals that my mom made. That's what mine is filled with. Oh, man. Amen to that. And to mom who is watching you, you just made me realize where you, why you are the way you are and what a gift. So thank you so much. It is, of course, an honor being your friend, uh, but even more of an honor watching you um, as a woman, a strong woman, navigate these landmines. And so thank you for taking on this fight. And I know you will not rest. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for not hitting the alarm, Ted. No sirens. (laughs) Bravo. No sirens. No sirens. All right. Take care, Carmen. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Kristen. Wow. She's remarkable. She's remarkable, right? Yeah. I mean, only there's, there's so much substance there and so much in terms of these little uh, leadership imperatives to digest and to marinate on. And it was really compelling. Uh, the most troubling was the, I mean, the ribbons, that was the only weird part. But other <laughs> than that, she's got a super compelling story. Yeah. You know, what I loved most is the concept of her doing this for others, is that mm-hmm. if she stops fighting, then those in in the correction side of of law enforcement who are also in this criminal justice ecosystem and that if they if she gives up this fight then then those who come behind her can't ever run for office and i think the true testament is of a leader is having that concept of paving the path for those who come behind you sure Sure. And, and you have to wonder what was so scary about her? What did she represent that was so disturbing and disquieting in this time where we're challenging the way that police show up in communities? Yeah, I, I tell you, and she has been so transparent and open. And this is what I, I think we're all craving right now in our elected officials is is just that. And you know what, dare I say, she's also got just such a fiery personality. And I, I just admire her tenacity so yeah. much. And I think that's why she was so fitting to be our first guest is because, you know, and even when she gave a shout out to Kelly and Dana, who I know very well, and I'm going to give that same shout out, they have been so supportive. And it was, uh, everyone thought that Dana was actually going to run and everybody in Cook County will know who, who these are, who these people are. But, you know, she's also talking about supportive women in her life. And, you know, sure. that's a lot of what we talk about as well. Right. And it's very, very interesting. She's our first guest. I mean, there were a number that wanted to be our first guest and we chose her because she is this real incredible figure. So compelling. And let's kind of close on this. Wow, 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 what fills her. Yeah. That was bigger than just filling. Yeah, that's the stuff right there. I mean, that transcends just the idea of even what we think about leadership, but that she is filled with all of these character traits that obviously came from someone that she admired and looked up to her mother that instilled these traits in her. And so it's, it's so obvious when we asked her at the beginning, where does this come from? And she said, I, I, you know, I really don't know. And then right at the end, it's like, I I wonder if she even knows, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, because Mahalo Bunny is really this figure that looks like it's going to be really advancing and it's this it's this figure, right? It's the symbol of some something that looks shiny and it's going to advance and enrich. But then you snap off an ear, bite a butt or something, and it's empty. It yeah. she certainly reflects her filling. She certainly reflects the richness of her culture, her experience, her drive, her character, and just the way that she shows up in this incredible way. So She's no hollow bunny, Kristen Zeman. Good job on the first guest. Yeah, I'm so excited to see what Carmen does next. And I think we all are. So So let's ring this in, Kristen Zeman. So for those of you that were listening, thanks for listening and getting a little nibble, a bite, something to marinate on, chew on in terms of your leadership journey. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you like it, subscribe leave us a review, share it with your people. And well, first of all, if you don't just shut your mouth. Uh, and now <laughs> I give you the hollow bunny theme song written and performed by my amazing son, Jake Zeman and his talented friends, Fabian and Zoe. When you look inside, Yeah.